A text that calls for our attention in this Lord's Day comes to us from our epistle reading for today, from Galatians chapter 1, uh, and especially these verses. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, we all know someone that we might call a people pleaser. They're the kind of person that feels compelled to make sure that everybody loves them. Their actions are largely determined not by just valuing one action versus another, but by thinking about what others might think if they took one action or another. They are moved by what others will think. And they judge their worth primarily on what others will say of them at the end of the day. These people can end up running themselves rather ragged as they try to please one person and then the next. They can find themselves in crisis immediately when there are two people that they both want to please who want different things. They want everyone to like them, and so they exhaust themselves trying to please everyone. I said that we all know someone like this, and I'm sure that that statement is true primarily because we each know ourselves. What do I mean? Well, to one extent or another, we are all people-pleasers. Oh, no doubt there are some who order their whole life based on what others are thinking, but we have to admit that each of us orders different parts of our lives at times based on what we think others will think. All of this, though, is not to be thought of in the same way as true acts of service meant to help others. You see, true acts of love are done not in order that the person that we are loving will somehow think better about us, but simply that their needs will be met. But how many of us can say, even then when we set out to do that, we don't have a little bit of that people-pleaser mentality in the background? We'd still at least like to get a thank you card or some other sort of acknowledgement. At the very least, we hope that person will think a little better of us. Well, this reality about how we act is certainly not laudable in all ways, but it is accurate. And in so many areas of our lives, we could do this without any real catastrophe. There are a lot of areas of our lives where basing our actions on what someone else would think will not end up altering the grand course of things all that much. But the Apostle Paul tells us today that there is one area in which we cannot be people-pleasers. He says that when it comes to our faith, we must seek to please God alone. And no doubt in our world we have lots of people that want to tell us how to believe, what to believe, or not to believe. 
Paul makes clear that when it comes to our beliefs, God alone is the one whose approval we should seek. And so he tells us how it is that we are to please God in regards to our faith. We are to cling solely to the true gospel. We are to never leave behind that wondrous truth that the Father sent forth the Son to die in order that the sins of the world might be forgiven and all might be given the opportunity to live forever. Yes, that is how we cling to the gospel. We hold on to that truth with our hearts and we speak it with our mouths. The Apostle Paul in his day was writing to his spiritual children in Galatia about the temptation that was upon them to please people rather than God. For you see, there were false teachers in Galatia that were trying to get people to stop focusing in on the gospel and place their emphasis somewhere else. They were trying to tell people that if they really wanted to be certain of their salvation, well then, indeed, they would need to return to all the precepts of the Jewish law. They told people that that was necessary if they were going to truly be great followers of Jesus. Well, Paul said no matter who these people were, he could not give in to them. He could not simply allow them to keep speaking these lies. After all, he knew what the gospel was, and he knew it directly from Jesus himself. And so he said that he would continue to cling to the gospel. He would continue to cling to Jesus. His message would be the gospel and the gospel alone. You know, we have people in the Christian church in our day that are trying to preach different gospels as well. And sometimes they sound rather good. I suppose, quite frankly, those who spoke to those Galatians and told them about other things they could do to show their obedience to Christ sounded pretty good, too. But it is not the gospel. We, again, have people in our world that seek to say that the gospel is not just about what Jesus has done. They say that something else has to be added to what Jesus has done. We have entire denominations of Christianity that operate with such assumptions. Some say that in addition to Jesus' work on the cross, you must add your own works in order to be sure that you will end up in heaven. Others say you must receive some sort of special spiritual blessing that comes after faith and baptism. If you truly want to know you're saved, perhaps you need to speak in tongues, and then you will know. And then there are others that tell us that the true way to know that you're going to heaven is that you avoid things that even the scriptures say you don't have to avoid. Yes, you show such self-control that you don't even need the things the Bible says you can have. Sometimes, we must admit, we're tempted to please these people. For after all, some of these people who believe this are relatives of ours. They're friends of ours. 
And so instead of simply proclaiming the gospel with all boldness and purity, sometimes we just allow them to speak about the faith in a way that is not accurate. And soon we can end up sounding as if we too believe that the gospel is somehow a mixture of what Christ has done and what we will do. There's a whole other way that the gospel is being spoken about in our day and age. And it's couched under this idea that the gospel is simply that you don't offend anyone. That you never cause anyone any discomfort, no matter what way they're living or what they're doing or if they claim to be a Christian or not. They say that is the gospel. That is what Jesus would have done. And so they say that certain topics can never be mentioned in church. They say that we have to be careful not to offend anyone regardless of their choices in life. There are those who tell us that if we must hold to our faith, well then we can do that in our church buildings. But we shouldn't do it out in the open. We shouldn't let it really influence how our families live, how our communities are run, how our businesses conduct themselves. And again at times, and especially in our time, we are tempted to accept this false gospel. After all, who really likes being in situations of conflict? Who really likes telling someone that perhaps they're walking in a way that is not of Christ? Who really wants to try to figure out what it means to order our entire lives according to Jesus' ways? And so some days we say this false gospel sounds pretty good. If all we have to do is not offend anybody, maybe we can make sure we do just that one thing. Yes, there are some that claim that the gospel is about adding things to what Jesus has done. And there are others that claim that the gospel is all about forgetting things that the scriptures reveal. And we are tempted at times to do both. After all, we too want people to speak well of us. We're all people pleasers to some extent. But Paul encourages us today to not give in to such temptation and to confess those times when we have given in to exactly those temptations. Yes, we are to flee to the gospel time and time again. Oh, it may not always please people when we do that, but it will always please God. For that is what he wants from us that we would trust in the one whom he has sent. So be honest with yourself this day. Have you lived or spoken as if something needed to be added to what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection? Have you at least for a time or in a certain situation removed talk about certain things in order that you wouldn't cause any conflict? Have you done it ultimately because you wanted the approval of someone or didn't want to lose the approval of someone that you already knew you had their approval? If so, confess that today. Confess that knowing this, 
Waiting for you is that pure, unadulterated gospel. Waiting for you is that good news of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Yes, that which you've been tempted to leave behind is your salvation. And when you receive that gospel, then you realize again how good and perfect it truly is. All your sins are forgiven. Your life now is given purpose. And you're given a hope deep inside your heart about a day that will come. No, we can never leave behind the gospel. We cannot go somewhere else. As we sang, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. You and I will always struggle with our desire to have people like us and to speak well of us. But in this one area of our life, we must remain steadfast. For how tragic would it be if we left behind the very thing that saves us? We can never leave behind Jesus, his work, or his ways. For if we were to worry about pleasing man when it came to our faith, we would have left behind being servants of Christ long ago. Instead, today and each day, we simply rest in the one. The one who pleased God perfectly, the one who died and rose for us and our salvation. And as we trust in him, we are made God-pleasing. He tells us that that is what he wants, that is all he wants, that we would receive the gifts he gives with joy. May we always do that for Christ's sake. Amen.